0: From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast.
1: I my life out in front of me. Friday, June 14th, 2019, and it's the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios. On the ones and twos, our illustrious engineer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. Too many words. I gotta cut that down. Uh, On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Uh, And from Nashville, Tennessee, our senior editor, Tyler Huckabee. Hey everybody. Uh, We're rolling, we're rolling lean and mean this week again. Now you know what happened last week when this was the
2: crew. In
1: the ditch, within minutes, back out of the
2: driveway. I'm surprised. I'm surprised they even allowed us back in the in the driver's seat. The well, quickly, yeah.
1: Can we? I mean, let's be honest. Let's tell the listeners what's going on. We also do other things. We have mm-hmm. a thing called a magazine. We have a daily website. We have. There's a lot going on here at the Old Relevant Media Group, and uh, for you know for all in, you know, and then our friends who join us, they have a lot going on too. They're authors, they're yeah. speakers, they're travelers. And just coordinating, it's like herding cats to get all of our schedules to align. I had someone
3: dropped an A-list bomb on me this week. I was asking, I, I don't think I'm at liberty to say, but it was, I'll say this, a Grammy winning, a recent Grammy winning star. And I emailed somebody, they like, hey, you want to come on and be our fourth? And they're like, I totally would. But I'm in the studio with this person, this super famous person. And no, I, no, no, and no, I no, wanted no. to say, you here's can what I
1: You can say, hey, hey, you're a friend, you're a friend of the show. You should join us. Uh, sorry, man. I'm, I'm in the studio this week with Casey Musgraves. You can say yeah. it. Just say it. And I but. said,
3: I thought we were friends choose between me and Casey right now. He chose Casey Musgraves.
2: And so
3: here we, are. Here I, I don't, we I don't, are.
2: And I understand, I understand that you're busy. I understand these people are busy, but this is what I said when you told me that Jesse, and I stand by this. When you're in the studio with somebody, this is not a 24th. They don't lock the doors until you finish an album. This person, this person has, unless Casey runs a very yeah. uh, different Tape sort Tape. of uh, recording Tape schedule. Tape. Yeah,
3: she does. And then then the other thing is there's another uh, person that was going to join us this morning. And all the, all of a sudden, they remember they have to take their children to school this morning. So that's when I said unless you choose between me and your children, we're not friends anymore. They chose their children too. So also,
1: what children are still in school mid June? Yeah. In, in Florida, children have been free for a month at this point. No, today They're was the roaming last day. the streets. Yeah.
3: Today was the last day for kids around here. And this this I, I moved on to the most socially active cul-de-sac in the history of the world. They have this big thing where the, all the parents hide in the bushes for when that like the, when the middle schoolers get off with what? water balloons and water guns and they what? make the kids run like a gauntlet down the cul-de-sac <laughs> on the last oh, day oh, yes, so many, it, man
1: how many Those middle bones. school children live on your street? This is so they're strange everywhere. to me are, that there, all there, these I mean, people have chosen to live next to each other with the ex- in the exact same stage of life with the exact same age children. That's I mean,
3: I, I'd say the parents' age is very pretty wildly, but I'd say a lot of the kids are within like a six-year range of each other. You know, they're almost old enough for them, them to be like a parents versus kids basketball tournament. That's what I'm going to be lobbying for because, you know, I feel like here's the thing. I've been perfecting my game for years. Cameron's seen me ball it out. That's true. And I have not only... Maintained the abilities from my high school glory days, but I've learned all the dirty uncle tricks that you use in the post. You know, some shirt pulling, you know, some elbows, you know, throwing some weight around a little, calling cheap fouls. I wear them down mentally, physically, emotionally, and sometimes even spiritually. And I can't wait till I <laughs> have, have you ever done weekend. the, uh, the Lance Stevenson blow in the ear of your opponent. Oh, I mean, that's the, it's literally when I go to shake their hand. Hey, good game. Looking forward to play. And I lean in real close. Just go <laughs> right into the air, right into it. The, and they look at me and the parents, like the kids, parents look at me like, why would you blow my kids here? And I just say, the game. And I'm, I'm teaching them. I'm teaching them skills that they're going to learn on the streets. And literally the streets being
1: your cul-de-sac. That's right. That's
3: I
2: think right. you put a few stakes in, in this game. I like the idea of a, of a basketball of parents wait, for wait, just are you basketball. Say, are you game. saying
1: turn it into a barbecue as well? Throw some steaks into the
2: game. Well, yeah, I, I mean, mean, obviously, there's going to be food. That's a normal occurrence. Protein's around Proteins just important. But uh, but I also think there's actual literal. You know, I think we need some some literal steaks like. If, if the kids beat you, which I don't think is going to happen, but if the kids beat you, then then they, they like claim you on their taxes from now on. or So I'll I don't say, know what the rule I'm not a parent. I don't know how uh, this all works. When
3: I was a kid, there was a mailman. When I was a kid, there
2: was a mailman who, when
3: he would see us playing basketball, would stop the mail truck and jump in a game. And I'll say this. We were kids, and he was a grown man. And he would show no mercy. He was just yeah. dominating, blocking shots, talking trash. And when the game went over, he would just continue his mail route. It made me consider... Uh, A career in the Postal Service. A a
2: life in the Postal Service,
3: yeah. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you can just pull over whenever you see something fun going on and enjoy it, you know? I mean, who's going to complain, you
1: know? Well, we have a great show in store for you today. Uh, Coming up later, we talked to our, wow, author, pastor, thinker, leader, Max Lucado is joining us.
2: Uh, t- multi hyphenate, I think they call those people. Like when they got that many hyphens in their name, then they're just then you, you just do it all. You just group it all under one big multi hyphenate title.
3: Okay. And I'll say this between Max Lucato's uh, books that he has made available to the public and my self-published um, fringe political theory books uh, that I've written under a pseudonym and self-published mm-hmm. online, we have sold more than 100 million copies. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> not bragging, but me and Max, you know, really, I don't I can't, I'm not sure the break, I would give the breakdown, but I just don't know it. I just know between you and him, me and him, it's a hundred million sold. So has, no big Has deal. he really sold
1: a hundred million books? Yeah. Yes.
2: Dude, yes. that guy writes like a machine. You know how some people spend their whole lot, you talk to those guys, mm-hmm. who are like, I'm working on a book, I'm writing my book right now, and you're like, that's really great. Max Licato has written, I, I don't know how, he probably it's doesn't over know 40. how many.
3: It's over 40.
2: It's it. The guy is just a, just churns them out, just churns them out like pancakes on Sunday morning. He and is What's, just books what's
1: crazy is that he's also a pastor. I mean it's like yeah, if yeah. you were a full-time author, you put in 40 hours a week in writing, I could see the volume. But like he's also preparing sermons, leading as a large church, you know, he's a family man, like he's he speaks. I mean, he's he's not just writing. That's what's crazy.
2: He doesn't yeah. sleep. That's something that people don't talk about that quite a bit. He, he doesn't he doesn't know how. Never learn, never never, never doesn't, learned. Doesn't how feel to like sleep. he needs it. Yeah. He does just doesn't happen. That's the key. Happen. That's the key
1: to productivity is get an extra 8 hours of work time a day. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> no, and
3: here no, here's the key and here's what I'm working on. Is hiring a full-time uh, assistant who just transcribes everything like a court stenographer. And this <laughs> assistant just walks around with me with a typewriter capturing every word I say. And I tell them at the end of the day, figure out how to turn this into a book. And they say to me, it's not going to make any sense. There are some very dangerous ideas in what you have been <laughs> ranting about all day. I'm not comfortable putting this out and I don't care. That's how I will publish 40 bucks. It's just uh, a stenographer who shadows me all the time. And I have no shame in that. So. All
1: right. So moving the show along, it is time for.
2: It's the list, the
1: it's sizzling.
3: <laughs> did you extend the bacon sizzling? Yeah, I think it, it sounded a little more
2: pronounced. It did. I think no. it, it's the same. Oh, no. Are I'm you sure he in just was a little usually. like, tss, and today it sounds like I'm right. I'm in the kitchen at Denny's. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, coming in number five this week on the hot list, uh, Switchfoot covered Living on a Prayer in preparation for their <laughs> upcoming tour with Bon Jovi. The band's getting ready to play a series of concert dates in Europe with Bon Jovi. And leading up to those stadium shows, they released a cover of his classic ballad by their tour mates. Here's the
2: I no, I'm having a good time. I'm having a good time. Oh, I'm okay. having a great time. I'm,
1: I'm, I'm having a the time, time I'm, of my I'm life. Listening. I'm literally listening to that, thinking the Venn diagram of fan bases that enjoyed that <laughs> yeah, mashup. Yeah. I'm going That's pretty pretty narrow niche there.
2: Although I think on paper, on paper they're not the same thing, but I do feel like this has this is of this is uh. In the same in the same sphere as the Rambo trailer, so I want to be careful about our conversation here because this could easily turn into this week's Rambo trailer. I will Redux. say this:
3: I, I want someone to do this. I don't know how they would, but somehow, like find the stems for that Rambo trailer. Extract Old Town Road and put Switchfoot's cover of "Living on a Prayer" over it, and just see if it works.
1: Why because, not just "Living on a Prayer"? I mean, the what? Here's no, my no, thing no. about covers: okay, you've got to put your own twist on it and make it your own. I that agree. just yeah. sounded like Bon Jovi's "Living on a Prayer," but John like from karaoke, it. like John yeah, from karaoke. karaokeing "Living Come on a Prayer." John, yeah. reinterpret it, man. Yeah. yeah, do you like, you like it, John? John, friend of the pod, oh. friend of the pod, longtime fan. Are you I'm talking about saying, John Bon Jovi or John? Foreman? Both. Both. I'm just saying, like, make it sound like a Switchfoot song. It just sounds like a Bon Jovi song to me. I when I, we posted this on the site and.
3: I, I Tyler, I, you 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 did some copy editing on that uh, little piece, and I, did. I included one of my favorite uh, <laughs> images of on the internet uh, in the post, and it is a you know uh, um, John Bo uh, John Bon Jovi has that song uh, It's My Life, yeah. it's wow, my wow. you know that one. Yeah, there is a picture on the internet of someone who got a tattoo, and it says It's is my life. So there's a ta- there's a typo <laughs> with the It's is, but and then it has like a little like hyphen to denote who this quote f- comes from. And she wrote on her and, and tattooed under it is John Bovey. John Bovey, <laughs> ladies and
2: gentlemen. It is my life. My favorite song by my favorite ta- artist. John ta- ta- Bovey. Tattoo John typos Bovee. truly are my fit. Like it's when I'm having a down day. I've, I think I've told you this, Jesse. I'm having a down day. Things are a little stressful at the office or whatever googling bad tattoos will turn that it it flips the frown upside down like yeah. few other things on the internet can do for Be, me
3: because that one could have been you know so easily checked like not only for grammar like it's is is a, is a bad grammatical error it's, is, is
2: grammatical john Bovi you would think the tattoo artists <laughs> tattoo artists and john but listen to john bon jovi like we listen to Switchfoot on this podcast they just go it again you know it's just part of the same world i'm so but but maybe it's in the tattoo artist code just like you know, they tell me what they want. I do it. Too. Okay, I don't, sir, I don't ask. Wanted it's, it's, she is said she life, wanted John. John it's, it's my life with John Bovey. That's what she's getting. <laughs> I get paid. I don't care.
1: All right. Coming in number four this week on the hot list. Uh, Terrence Malick's next movie is reportedly all about Jesus. Well, kind of. So his uh, latest work is called a hidden life and it premiered at can. Uh, it got rave reviews for its depiction of a conscientious objector in Austria during world war two and the ensuing harassment he received from his local community, and even his church for refusing to work with the Third Reich program. But the 75-year-old is spending no time resting on his laurels and is apparently already working on his next feature, which ought to be intriguing for our audience. It's called The Last Planet, and it's going to evidently, quote, convey passages in the life of Christ through representing evangelical parables. Now, this being a Terrence Malick movie, it's a safe bet that the resulting project isn't going to be a straightforward or even necessarily linear uh, thing. Uh, Malick movies operate more on impressionistic and even poetic levels, prioritizing mood over narrative and virtually everything over a brief runtime. However, they do typically draw a list cast. Recent uh, films that he's done have starred Brad Pitt, uh, Ben Affleck, Kate Blanchett, Natalie Portman, Christian Bale, Rachel McAdams, Jessica Chastain, and a ton of others. No other details have been released about the cast or release date for the last planet, but keep your eye on that. Yeah,
3: I, It 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 constantly fascinates me how Terrence Malick is able to draw not not just A list but like A plus list right like big stars yeah the most famous the most recognizable most talented actors in the world constantly flock to his movies. When's the last time
2: you guys have watched one of those films? Because Jesse and I got Jesse and I got into a little we got into a row about this. Jesse and I agree on a lot of things, but we but we we tooth and nail.
3: And I've rarely seen Tyler get visibly angry at me when I'm (laughs) ranting at him about how boring it is to watch montages of people run their hands over the tops of hay while walking through a field at sunset. And the silhouettes of people, you know, in bedsheets that are drying on an old scenic clothesline while some narrator mindlessly drones on while an orchestra plays in the background. I mean, I'm sorry. They've just... I don't find them entertaining movies at all.
2: I think you are describing a numa video. First of all, this <laughs> is a different genre <laughs> of, of the film.
3: And now Rob Bell is going to walk across the street and help his elderly neighbor shovel <laughs> the the you know while um you know what's uh some explosions in the sky plays in the background. It's basically the same the same concept.
1: All right, coming in at number three this week on the hot list. Oh man, a uh, Questlove from the Roots War. Uh, He went to the Shaft premiere this week. And, you know, you're on the red carpet. You're going to movie premiere. And what did he wear? A Preachers and Sneakers hoodie. Mm. Uh, So for for those still unfamiliar with the viral Instagram account, Preachers and Sneakers, the feed features images of pastors like Stephen Furtick, John Gray, Chad Veach, and others wearing some very expensive kicks and outfits in the pulpit. Uh, Evidently, the Roots drummer and Tonight Show band leader, Questlove, is a fan while attending the premiere of Shaft, he wore a Preachers and Sneakers branded hoodie. But if you're looking to cop one for yourself, we've got some bad news. According to the um, caption, Quest got it one of one, exclusive for him from the guy who runs the account. Yeah, well,
3: I, I, I'm i kind of curious of of Quest Love's uh, uh, true opinion on, on the fad. But I told I told Tyler this week. I think that I think that feed, although it's given us a lot of joy and pleasure to to scroll through, it's close to jumping the shark. And here's why: they're 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 running out of like preacher and sneaker images. He, for one. he
1: literally said that he he posted one that was pretty old, and somebody commented like, "Dude, uh, you run out of material. This is from like 2011." And he replied to the commenter and said, yeah, you have no idea how hard it is to find images anymore.
3: Well, well, and here's why I think it here's why I think it jumped the shark. (laughs) This
2: is this is a good observation.
3: Recently, recently I was looking at the feed and one of them was of J.D. Greer, who's the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. I don't know, J.D., but I can tell you this. If you're president of the Southern Baptist Convention, you're probably a little square. I mean, a, the Southern Baptist, beast. Southern Baptists just read there. It was only two conventions ago that they made untucking your shirt uh unsinful. <laughs> so like, what? they're not exactly the most progressive and fashionable people. What? I'm just, I'm just making that That's up. Probably. We don't yeah. know. Yeah. But, but yeah. Yeah. It, it, it wouldn't surprise me.
2: For a while, <laughs> for a while, it was. They're on... currently debating whether or not women should preach. So it's not like known for it's progressive. <laughs> it's not, it's uh, not like, uh, like it's like it's wildly that wildly like. Yeah. <laughs> like I mean, but, was trying to pull back the reins. Oh, whoa, they're getting out of line there. Yeah,
3: I mean, there was, uh, uh, you know, they excommunicated a pastor recently for uh, not wearing khakis during the early morning non-contemporary service. You know, they it was only yeah. a few years ago that you could there start wearing no, car-
2: carpenter There was no jeans. hammer loop in the jeans, so yeah. they had to, they, they had to censure, publicly censure him. It was,
3: it was only a few years ago, yeah, where the SBC allowed non-carpenter jeans into buildings. So to see J.D. Greer on preachers and sneakers wearing a pair, Jordan threes. Now these were only two hundred dollar, you know, which by pre and sneaker standards, you know, throw another zero on there, and that's kind of the more normal price. But still, it kind of jumped the shark, and I feel like so did Jordans. I felt like up to now, Jordans was Jordan was a pretty untouchable brand. Uh, but you know, with the rise of of of, of Yeezys, with all of these other uh, uh, athletic shoe companies really stepping Bunch, up their yeah. streetwear game, and now JD Greer wearing Jordan's I really feel like that brand's gone downhill. So uh, yeah. you know,
1: well, you know, it was trying to make a point. It made it. Let's I think it made on. the point, and it doesn't and, need
2: yeah. to. It doesn't need to last. Nothing's gonna last forever. I do think I'm not. I'm not opposed to the idea of of preachers and sneakers merch, but I do think you put yourself in a tough spot for how much you charge for this merchandise yeah. now. If you make
1: anything over the cost of manufacturing, then you, open you yourself are up you to your are own. a hypocrite. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, he could step in a trap pretty easily, and we don't. And now that it's Questlove is wearing it, you could conceivably get away with with charging a decent amount for it if he hadn't made his name stake yeah. his whole reputation on not making money or not spending too much on clothing. Which I think is again, I'm not knocking him. I think it's a valid. I, I think the yeah. point that he brought up is a valid one. I just think he's in a tough spot now.
1: Yeah, the yeah. tension is real. Yep. All right. Coming in at number two this week on the hot list, Arcade Fire received the uh, Peace and Justice Activist Award for their work in Haiti. The band's Regine Chasson, who fronts Arcade Fire with her husband, Wynne Butler, is a child of Haitian immigrants and has championed humanitarian causes in the country for years and founded the organization Kanpe. Uh, the organization helps young people in Haiti get connected with educational and professional opportunities. The band performed at the Artists for Peace and Justice Gala, which raised more than $250,000 for ConPay and other causes. Arcade Fire has innovated charitable giving in the music industry. Starting in uh, 2007, they've donated $1 from every concert ticket that they sell to causes that support communities in Haiti. The band's violin player, Marika Anthony Shaw, has also founded a group called Plus One that pairs other artists like The National and St. Vincent, with causes they're passionate about and collects $1 from their ticket sales to support them. So far, Plus One has raised about $10 million for charitable causes around the world. Plus One also being a Christian boy band from yeah. 1999.
2: I was not <laughs> yes. aware that that uh, a member of Arcade Fire was also a founding member of Plus One. That's a fun <laughs> little bit of Christian music. Uh, Plus, there, uh, Plus One was, uh, is
3: giving their reunion tour uh, ticket sales to charitable causes. So far, they have raised... Uh, Fifteen dollars. So uh, <laughs> <and> I, uh, <laughs> I, every little bit helps. Man. Every, every little bit helps. From family
1: members, a plus one, but still, it's every dollar.
3: It's one step closer.
1: Yeah, yeah. better than nothing. Uh, coming in number one this week on the hot list, John Stewart. Oh man, delivered a blistering speech, slamming Congress for ignoring 9/11 first responders. And then they acted. For well over a decade now, the former Daily Show host has been laser focused on the 9-11 Victim Compensation Fund. The act was first passed in 2010 as a way of providing health care to those suffering serious medical issues connected to the 2001 terrorist attack in New York City. But that act was only funded for five years. And currently, over 11,000 different types of cancer have been reported that can be linked to the 9-11 attacks from an aggressive form of brain cancer to debilitating lung cancers. Extending the funding of the act has been a passion project of Stewart's, who devoted an entire episode of his show to the cause and has since become the most vocal face of the fight to get the cause funded. This week, he appeared before House Judiciary Subcommittee on Civil Rights and Civil Liberties to deliver an emotionally charged plea and a harsh condemnation of Congress for failing first responders and tying up past efforts for funding with other bills. Stewart was visibly emotional throughout fighting back tears as he cited the stories of men and women who died before the bill was passed, saying, I can't help but think what an incredible metaphor this room is. A room filled of 9-11 first responders and in front of me, a nearly empty Congress. Sick and dying, they brought themselves down here to speak to no one. Shameful. Here's
4: a clip. And I'm sorry if I sound angry and undiplomatic, but I'm angry and you should be too. And they're all angry as well and they have every justification to be that way there is not a person here there is not an empty chair on that stage that didn't tweet out never forget the heroes of 9-11 never forget their bravery never forget what they did what they gave to this country well here they are And where are they? And it would be one thing if their callous indifference and rank hypocrisy were benign, but it's not. Your indifference costs these men and women their most valuable commodity, time. the one thing they're running out
3: of that was a difficult thing to watch but you know it it was ended up being effective i mean it It got it it ended up not only getting the attention of the internet but you know constituents of these you know lawmakers uh
1: the next day the house judiciary committee unanimously passed the bill that will extend the funding for the september 11th victims compensation fund you know, in politics, sometimes there's just some things that are right. And we need to move them forward. They're not yeah. partisan. We just need to do them. And uh, thankful for people like John Stewart, uh, using his voice, his platform to raise awareness about this thing that's affecting thousands of people who are truly heroes and sacrifice their health and their lives for others. And uh, I'm glad to see that it worked and that yeah. the, the House yeah. responded. I, I mean, was
2: thinking about it in terms of... Uh, uh, I think a lot of us do, and I'm guilty of this too, of a, using a lot of, and it's kind of the, the a world that John Stewart inadvertently helped create, using a lot of snark and, and uh, disaffection with our, and how we talk about politics, which, which is understandable. There's a lot of things to be snarky and, and insincere about. So it's very moving to hear somebody who seems very, very earnest, um, who certainly looked very earnest, who was crying. While he delivered that speech, to see like somebody who's genuinely feeling something, a sense has a real strong moral sense of uh, moral purpose in what he was talking about, and was very clear and forceful about it. I'd like to see more of that in our political discussions because I think it, it it works. It's effective,
3: and, yeah. and like as much as everyone kind of. Uh you know, makes commentary about the fusion of celebrity and politics. You know, I mean, we, you know, we have the current president was a former reality TV star. You know, I do, I do think there's something to say for some of these people using their platform to get attention to things that otherwise may fly under the radar for a lot, for the average American. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I, I, I don't know that the, I don't know that a house judiciary committee hearing on the extension of the nine eleven victims foundation fund would be something that any the average American would really have much of an awareness of if it wasn't for someone like Jon Stewart going there and kind of rallying people. I mean, we saw it, um, a few years ago when like Ashton Kutcher and Louis Giglio were both present and I, and, and Ashton Kutcher was even invited to give like uh, a testimony at a hearing to extend funding. For human trafficking relief efforts, and' a lot of times people who have a platform actually going to Washington and getting on C-span and these clips going around the internet does raise awareness. it is effective. you know I think that's just look, celebrity has power whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. you know that's just the reality, and I think people like that using their platform for good is is really positive and really needed, you know
1: and then you have the people on the other that went the other way. You have uh, you have uh, rest in peace, but you know yeah, you Congressman uh, Fred Thompson, who served in I'm sorry, the Senator Fred Thompson, who served in the Senate until 2003, and then beca- and then then went and joined Law and Order, and he became a cast member on Law and Order for four it, years. You remember was that? Very
3: authoritative on Law and Order. I've never yeah. watched Law and Order, but I assume every detective looks like Fred dude. Thompson on that show. No,
1: <laughs> no, no, no. He was like the 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 boss guy. He wasn't like a detective. He was like the judge, dude. I don't know no. what they're called. No. Attorney Great. general. It's a good, that kind of thing. good direction.
2: Yeah. Good direction. Yeah. I'd I like to leverage more. More. I think people should go out of politics and into the celebrity world into instead acting. of lobbying. Instead of go, you know going into like some shady like dark money situation because that's that that I don't like that. But I like the idea of these people being like, you know what. I've, I've had to talk a lot while I was in politics. I could do it for money.
3: Well, dude, every once in a while, you see like they'll do like a, a, a SNL cameo or something, you yeah, know, yeah. and yeah, you're like, you're like, dude, John McCain was really funny. Another, you know, like every time he was on, he was like, he, he's, he's willing to be like self-deprecating and he was just like he had like it was like it reminded like seeing John McCain doing like any kind of because I I think he was he might have done like a cameo in Parks and Rec I know uh, Joe Biden did but it reminded me of like man some of these guys are just naturally talented it's like when Chance guest hosted uh, SNL this past year every sketch he was in I'm like dude if music didn't work out he'd be a great cast member you know towards the end of his life John McCain was a little old to be an SNL cast member but if they did it I would watch like I'd be like (laughs) oh it's really weird that they've added eighty-two-year-old John McCain to the cast for some reason. He's a featured member
1: this year, but uh, you know, I'm kind of here for it. I'm, I'm interested to see what they got going. You know? Well, Dennis Miller went from SNL uh-huh. to to the government. Um, I'm thinking there's a couple of others as well. There was Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan,
2: since since disgraced congressman, but but yeah. he was very uh, until that happened, he was considered a, a very like a good politician. Yeah.
1: And then Ronald Reagan, he was a movie star. And he became Ronald president. Reagan was a movie star? So, yeah, it's so, a lot of crossover there. Yeah, it goes back and forth. All right. You think yeah. about uh, it. You uh, think huh, about
3: huh. it too hard. <laughs> this may be... we're not doing question of the Week today, but if you had to have one, I already know who I'd pick and it's not ironic. Uh, uh, if you had to pick one current celebrity, to take, to have a very high position in government, who would you pick? Because I already have mine. I mean, he would be a UN envoy. He would be in charge of all diplomacy. Like any tense situation, we send Tom Hanks and John Lovett out there, and guess what? We're causing laughs and making John friends. Lovett. All of
2: why well, I love it. I'm with you on Hanks, but Lovett is a weird one. H- H- I mean, me. there John was like, like a Hanks, there was like a Hanks
1: 2016 campaign a few years ago. Like you know, people were trying to get him to run because um, John
3: Lovett is hilarious. Everything he's. Done done is is hey remember Cameron when he had the little guest run he had that episode of Seinfeld where he was the guy that I mean it's pretty dark I don't know if you could this would play in in uh, modern TV but he faked cancer so that he could get a toupee remember that episode John Lovitz was gold in that remember the critic gold everything he does gold he's one of he's he is our most underrated national treasure in my opinion
1: yeah when he filled in for Phil Hartman on news radio, it didn't, it, I don't know. Yeah, those are big shoes to fill. Oh, but you guys are not <laughs> with with hey, Tom Hanks. If you had yeah, to elevate once Hanks so is fine. Honestly, yeah. can I be, I mean, I'm being for real. Like, especially watching that clip. I've always thought that John Stewart should be like a senator or something, like like a, like a elder statesman, AOC, like a yeah. provocateur, a
2: person yeah. who challenges I feel the like status he would quo. Win.
1: I, I think he would. I think he would, I, he would too. I really do.
2: If he wanted to do he's, it, he's got name recognition. He's obviously well funded. Uh, I think it would be not hard if he wanted to get into politics, and he may just not. If he wanted to get into politics, I feel like he would uh, at least not, not have a hard time getting his foot in the door.
3: Yeah. Hold on. I'll say this too. If we're, if we're going both ways, if George. HW... If George W. Bush joined the yeah. cast of SNL, I'd watch yeah. too because I think he's naturally <laughs> funny. I don't know if he's always intentionally funny, but I think he's a very funny yeah. person. It's hard, right? it's hard to well, tell no, no, no. what's not, sincere not,
1: what's not. Not SNL. If he had, like, an interview show or a talk show, I'd watch it. Yes. He'd be great at that. Like, hanging yeah. out with George Dubs. You know? Just, like, I don't know. A little bit of Chip and Joe. A little... like It wouldn't be, like, a studio it, audience it, thing. Folksy. It'd, be, like It'd a, be folksy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in.
3: I or You know, okay, here's... Long-form podcast, sitting down with George
1: W., you know, like
3: <laughs> him and Will Ferrell just joking around for an hour and a half. I would listen to that. No, there's not anyone that he would interview that I wouldn't listen to if it just did yeah,
1: I'd enjoy it more than some of these long-form Letterman ones. Yeah. I think he'd be better at it. Yeah,
3: I know. I know. Because, yeah, like, the thing is, like, there's no... I don't feel like, you know, his politics aside you know, whatever people may think about it. I don't feel like there's any pretense with him. I think he really is like just kind of this, you know, good old boy type of guy from Texas that likes talking to people. There's tons of pretense with Letterman, right? Like yeah. Letterman knows he's David Letterman. He, he knows he's like swinging for something. He's swinging for a fence that he might not reach in a lot of those interviews, you know, where well, I don't think George W.
1: Bush would even care about that. I no, think he just want no, no, to no. joke around, you know? I mean, have you seen his paintings? He's just like trying stuff. Yeah, I'm good. Like,
3: <laughs> I didn't think about the painting point. Okay, here Cameron, here's <laughs> this is it. This is it. This is what we're pitching to Netflix. Okay. okay. Buckle yeah. up, guys. Yeah. <laughs> what is what is uh, like one of the most iconic shows of all time that, you know, no one dislikes. No one dislikes. I'll tell you what it is. Bob Ross Bob Ross painting. <laughs> Oh, so George W. Brie <laughs> so Bush painting. Bob Ross painting. Oh, he, 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 it's George Bush painting, but he brings a guest on. You know, like, oh, Howard is promoting his new book. Let's just go do a landscape of a
1: cottage here
3: and are they why both are we talk painting? about the well, yeah, memoir. Yeah.
1: Are you talking side by side? Yes. Are they
2: so, both painting so Are they getting the, the same
3: paint. No, no, no. Here's what happens. The the canvases are facing away from each other, okay? Oh. So so George W, so W can't see what Howard Stern or Tiffany Haddish or any of the other guests are painting on the other side, you know? Okay. And then the, you know, but but it's like but the the topic but is the, like,
1: but the easels are low enough that they could see each other over it. So they can exactly. be conversing and looking glancing at each other while they're painting. Exactly. And then the final the final minutes the big reveal and then, and then the the production value is is Bob Ross esque, which means that you are now basically blending Bob Ross in between two ferns, two ferns. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And so it's George Dub inviting celebrities on <laughs> to paint and chat,
3: and just. I feel like this. I if I could just get his ear, I think he'd be an in, in, like I like a, an easy sell. I think he would just pitch in the like, concept right. and he just go, I'm in, I'm in. You <laughs> know, and and like literally, he would just start. You know, I, I think I think we're on to something. Here, your guys.
1: impression went a little Ross Perot. Uh,
2: yeah, <laughs> I think <laughs> that's my, his first in guess, my opinion, by the way. I like I like where you're at, Jesse. I do like where your head's at. I do think that a f- first the easels should be too high for them to see each other. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's important. No, I think then, too, it should be not. It should be well Ferrell as George bush no. the person, but the guest thinks it's george w bush and does not realize till the end when they flip the paintings around that the entire conversation was actually welfare hold on old. how about this the, the, though the easels are too high for them yeah. to see each other
3: both canvases have eye holes poked in them, and the eye holes have to be incorporated
1: into the painting so it's not obvious in the end product okay so so they are making the paintings for the scooby-doo mansions
3: yeah, exactly. You can only so so like the obvious thing would be to paint a face around the eye holes, but you right. can you can disguise them any way you want, yeah. you know? Like how <laughs> however creative Steve, you want to get. I would oh, I'm man. telling you, the show just keeps getting better. Like <laughs> yeah. you
1: know you binge watch the first season. It it would be huge. It would be huge. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, George Dub painting with Tom Hanks. Oh, that'd be great. It's a great twenty yeah, minute right there I would yeah, watch be very, that. Be very um, relaxing. Yeah. George Dub paint with some, you know, with a famous athlete like LeBron James. I'd, I'd totally watch that. Or, or put him with, put him with, you know, give Obama a guest spot on there. Like, you know, have them their
3: friends, bipartisan. their buddies. Peace
2: in our time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. They say, it could be Michelle Obama. Their buddies. You know? Another another possibility I think could be that we we take a we take a page out of this new Tick Notaro show for Funny or Die in which George W. Bush does not know who his guest is going to be <laughs> nor can he see them now except for through the little eye holes that he's looking at and so he has to try to guess via conversation who the who the guest is for that time and it may be a very obscure like Gen Z it could be like Zendaya he's like I don't know who Zendaya he's never heard of her you know that's not his brand <laughs> well, so, <laughs> what's funny is
3: it took him he didn't get Barack Obama to the big reveal and Obama's like I'm telling you I was the president right after you. Bush is like, I 34th don't know. President. Jamie, uh, is Dick, is that you? He's like, no, directly after you, I was the president of the United States of America.
2: We've met many times. Rumsfeld, what are you doing here?
3: Yeah, we've met many occasions. Once again, I was the 44th president the of president. the United States. Okay, okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and,
3: and Bush is like, I need another hint. I need another hint. Okay, uh, where were you born? And he and and he, and he goes Hawaii. And then he looks through the eye holes, and Obama's winking at him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Hawaii, Hawaii,
2: <laughs> part of the oh, United States. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm an American citizen. Oh, winking.
1: <laughs> All right, that'll do it for.
2: It's the hottest. The hottest.
1: Alright, stay tuned. Up next, Max Locato joins us. But there's a kind of love that God
0: only knows.
1: to For King and Country and Echo Smith, It's God Only Knows, the Timbaland remix. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Half Alive with Runaway. Hey, this show is brought to you by Quip. You've got a day or so before Father's Day, and there's a lot of gradu- graduations going on right now. So go get them a one-size-fits-all gift, a perfect one, uh, like a new oral health routine with Quip. The guiding features make sticking to good habits simple with Quip and signing them up for a subscription helps them save and refresh their toothbrush every three months. With the Quip electric toothbrush, you can show your thanks where it really counts. 75% of us use old worn out bristles that are ineffective. So with Quip, brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for just five bucks. A friendly reminder when it's time to refresh and stay committed to your oral health. Also, Quip uh, toothbrushes have a built in two minute little timer that pulses every 30 seconds to kind of remind you how long to brush. And Quip is one of the first uh, electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association. They're backed by over 25,000 dental professionals and have thousands of verified five-star reviews. I love Quip because it looks great, it's high quality, and it's a great price. Uh, And why over 1 million happy, healthy mouths do too. Quip starts at just 25 bucks and you can go to getquip.com Dot com slash relevant right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack for free at getuip slash relevant. Well, Max Lucado is a pastor and the author of more than forty books that have sold more than one hundred million copies. In his latest book, "How Happiness Happens," Max looks at how to find true joy in a world obsessed with comparison, unrealistic expectations, and me centric goals. Tyler recently spoke with Mr. Lucato about the book and the keys to finding real happiness.
2: Yeah, I uh, was. Uh, I enjoyed this conversation because I am really actually interested in the topic of how like happiness and faith work together and don't work together. So the first thing I wanted to ask uh, Max Lucado about was how we even define happiness. I feel like it's a word that we use a lot, but don't necessarily have a great the, the definitions can be very different from person to person. So I wanted to know how he defined it, and I thought his answer was kind of illuminating in terms of how Christians should think about happiness.
5: What I found is a work, a good working definition is that happiness is a deeply rooted sense of contentment that does not depend upon circumstance. It's a deeply rooted, in other words, it's something that's within us, and it's a sense of contentment. Uh, That word works. uh, Happiness, some people think of happiness, they think of frivolity or goofiness, but contentment and happiness really are synonymous. But it's very important to point out that from a biblical perspective, joy and happiness do not rely upon anybody. Uh, They really rely upon our relationship with God and our understanding of why we're on the earth. And so I I use that as a working definition, a deeply rooted sense of contentment that is not contingent upon or dependent upon any circumstance.
3: That guy should write books. It's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty (laughs) well put, right? (laughs) I I would watch watch him – I would watch him looking through the eye holes of the canvas. <laughs> I
2: Talking think you guest Shabby one, yeah. guest one for your for your uh, new show. Yeah. Um. So the inspiration for him to write this this particular book, uh, this this uh 40th plus book, was uh, a few studies that he came across that said, uh, at least according to one study that he found that uh, that happiness was at an all time low in the U.S. That the number of people who say they're happy uh was that now only one in three people consider themselves happy, which was very distressing to him. So I asked him. To, he he looked into why that was, and his Theory I thought was, uh, was uh, interesting as well. Here's what he said.
5: The reason that makes the most sense to me is that we are under constant attack from a multi-billion dollar marketing industry that tells us we have to find happiness in what we uh, own, what we drive, the diploma on the wall. Uh, what we do in the bedroom or the boardroom—that happiness depends upon uh, exterior influences. And the reason—here's here, an example. Uh, I went home today for lunch, and uh, I love to. When I go home, I'll, I'll do a, what a lot of guys do. I turned on Sports Center just to see how the basketball game went last night. To what? To find out the score. I endured one commercial telling me I don't have enough hair. I endured another commercial telling me I'm not masculine enough. I need more uh, stuff in my body to to make myself as I'm getting older, and another commercial telling me that if I was a real man, I would drive a jeep. Well, for crying out loud i and, and it, you know I got bombarded there in ninety seconds in and in and I think it was on my mind because I've been thinking about this topic. But imagine if it's not on your mind. Imagine if you're not aware of this. Imagine that if you just ex- leave yourself exposed or vulnerable. Well, then you're going to after the, that just trio t- t- that, that that those three commercials that trio of commercials. You're going to think, oh man, I'm I'm unhappy because I'm getting bald, I'm getting old, and I'm driving the wrong car, it, and so imagine multiply that by you know a hundred. Such messages today. And I think it's a full court press. I really do.
3: It is interesting to think about what the constant onslaught of like felt need based advertising does to like our collective contentment, you know? Like, well, when you're always being told you need this or that, it it has to take a toll on you on some psychological level, you know?
2: I, I think it was something I used to hear about a lot more. Maybe it was more of a 90s thing like consumerism is it like you you can't think about like stuff materialism isn't gonna make you happy and I you believe it and we all say we believe it, but I I think Max is right. You can believe it all you want to, but we're nevertheless being hit all day by thousands, literally thousands of ads telling us otherwise. And that's gonna have a psychological effect on you unless you're very, very disciplined and active about pushing back against that. You know?
3: Well that's it's that kind of insight. That has made him my first choice for the premier guest of (laughs) Bushwhacked, episode one. I can't (laughs) wait to see what he does today.
2: Bushwhacked, Bushwhacked, (laughs) that's great. Were you working on that for the whole Lucado? You weren't even listening to Max Lucado. I tell you, sorry. Who's the guest today, Tyler? So my obvious question after that was uh so so what do we do? Like you can't we need to we, we're watching TV, we're driving down the street, we're we have we're online, so we're going to see these types of ads. What's the solution? Uh here's what he said.
5: Happiness is is um is really an, a moral obligation that w- that we have. Uh we 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 do the world a favor huh. when we pursue happiness, not selfishness but happiness. When we're genuinely discovering a sense of contentment that does not depend upon any circumstance, then we're going to be a better member of our family, better member for the workforce and a better member of society. And if we're a churchgoer, a better member of a church. And uh, so I think we're doing the world a favor by going on the offensive. And, and scripture is packed with op- with suggestions on how to find a happiness uh, that that does not depend upon other people or other s- situations.
0: Yeah,
3: that I, thinking of it as an obligation—you know—that's that, an interesting yeah, idea. That's, that, that's
2: that, like, a yeah, that's a shift. Yeah, especially uh-huh.
3: as you know, as Christians, you know, like we want to reflect that. I do have one more question for you guys on this topic. What do you think is better, bushwhacked? Or for the W. Which one for <laughs> the name of the show?
1: <laughs> uh, for the W. I, I think Bushwhacked. Well, no, but, no Bushwhacked is Bushwhack you know a little negative. No, 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 no. A little you know what negative. Bushwhacked is? Bushwhacked is, is shot on location on his ranch. <laughs> you know, and so, like, not only so, so, yeah, the main through line is that they're doing the yeah. painting in his little home studio, yeah. but they cut away to walking around the property. They're out riding the ATVs, maybe the horses. Then you're experiencing the nature type stuff. Now you're bushwhacked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I like yeah. it. Yeah. I like yeah. it. If it's shot on property, I'm in. Yeah. But the painting segment's definitely for the, the w. main, the main thing. Yeah. yeah. Bush definitely. strokes. Like brush, brush strokes. Uh, no, no! <laughs> for the painting part,
3: uh, it's close. It's you're circling it, Chandler. Getting, it's close. There. It's close. But you know, we can all, only one of us can name the show, and that person. Isn't. So <laughs> just, <that's laughs> fair.
1: just give up. You know who lives just down the road? Is there Mr. Max Licato? Maybe he no. shoots. That's over true. We're both, for, yeah. They're both uh, Texas. Both Texas for like guys. A, for like Oprah's. Oprah's doing her like spiritual Sunday stuff. You know. Maybe, 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 but there's a special Sunday edition of Bushwhacked where he brings on like, Maxed out. Th- out, so you're saying the dubs starts his own channel and he's like handing shows to people like Oprah yeah, does. I think this is, yeah, yeah, so, yeah this is so, Bushwhack so, TV. So he's got it, So Bushwhack TV. So on Sunday they do more thoughtful spiritual programming. So Maxed Out is the 11 a.m. 11 show.
3: Yeah, but I would say this maxed out sound. I do agree that, that Max Lucado should be on Sunday mornings in the spiritual block, but maxed out sounds like a game show. And now I'm kind of into the idea of Max Lucado hosting a game show on Bushwhack TV. Like, I'm really liking this network.
2: And I, I think it should be sort of like a, uh, uh, it, it should be sort of like a Legends of the Hidden Temple, uh, maybe mixed with a little bit of like there's an aggro crag. There, like you're bringing in a lot of like it's very 90s visible. Nickelodeon. It's very, For some it's, reason, there's an American there's gladiator
3: no, trying to tackle. people There's
2: no Bible. It's not. It's not pastoral. This is purely. Uh, yep, yeah, preteens in in feats of putting pitting their physical strength against each other and against the forces of a giant styrofoam mountain.
3: Yeah, and now you, for reasons that are never made clear, in order to win the game, you have to beat a now fifty seven year old laser from American Gladiators in a jousting contest to yeah. win maxed
2: yeah. out. Yeah, maxed I'm, out. Maxed out. Yeah. Tell them what they've won. Anyway, we have there's one so, more question. There's something about ahead? pastoral
1: and pastoral that there's something there too. Like, because they've got yeah. the pastures and then the pastors, the pastors and the pastures. You know what I mean?
2: Oh, yeah. past Pastor. Oh,
1: the, ra- the ranch has pastures, and on Sunday, he brings pastors to the pastures.
3: But but here's the thing, like, it's very hard to connect with the show because to really hone in the the pasture thing of pastors, it's these pastors walking through a pasture, but it's very, very zoomed out. You can barely see them. It's mostly a very, very wide (laughs) shot of the pasture. You right. know, they're just two dots on the screen at that
2: point. We've all heard of comedians and <laughs> cars getting coffee, right? This is going to be pastors and pastures getting slime by the old Nickelodeon slime ball, <laughs> while while
3: while an aging laser from American Gladiator <laughs> waits behind the corner to tackle them both.
0: I'm but it's in, kinda, guys, but it's kind of
1: like it's kind of like a Bear Grylls one where they are the pastors are just <laughs> dropped off in the middle of the pasture. They don't really know where they uh-huh. are. Everything yeah. Yeah. vanishes, and now they have to get back to civilization. It's just called Pastors and Pastures. And yeah. it's part wilderness survival. It's part long walk, chit chatting, yes. life lessons. Yeah, life yeah. lessons. Yeah, I like it. it. Pastors and, and, and pastors. And if
3: like if they you know uh, resort to killing like a wild boar with their bare hands, that's right. fine. That's part of the show. Whatever happens, right. happens. You know? I think Texas. that should be
2: part of it. The, that's the, there's a bander snatch element to it. Like you can choose to kill <laughs> the boar with your bare hands. <laughs> you can choose if you want President Bush, former President Bush, or Pastor Max Licato to kill the boar, but somebody's got to do <laughs> hey. it.
3: Right. Guys, I think, uh, it's, it took us, Cameron, just an, uh, under an hour to get deep in the ditch and not get back out. <laughs> and Chandler, make a little note here for me yeah. to yeah. make sure we don't send this to Mac Lucado's publicist <laughs> as Tyler cues
2: up the before <laughs> <hands-over. laughs> Uh, the, well, the, the, last thing that, that Max Lucado and I talked about was the actual, was, was sort of the, the practical application. How, so how do we become happy? What, what, how do we get ourselves to that point? And I did like, uh, how counterintuitive his answer was.
5: If I want to be more like Christ, then, uh, I will wake up every day saying, okay, how can I make other people happy? How can I make other people happy? And this is why the one another verses in scripture are so profound and practical. Uh, there's over 50 of them, if I'm correct. And, and these, these passages encourage us to do everything from, uh, teach one another, forgive one another, love one another, admonish one another, instruct one another, forgive one another, be patient with one another. I mean, it's just all these practical little nuggets in scripture. And, and, and my, my, the good news, is that if I want to be happy today, all I need to do is take two or three of these and say, today is the day that I am going to be patient with someone, or I'm going to tolerate someone, or I'm going to forgive someone. I'm going to put these into practice. And the great news is, as I try to put smiles on the faces of others, I end up putting a smile on my own face.
3: Mm. It's, It's insights like that you'll get in the first season of George Bush's new interview show, Curious George. <laughs> <laughs> That's the winner coming, right coming to Bushwick TV.
1: That's it. <laughs> I like what Max was saying though. Like that. I mean, it, it's it's something about. It's so interesting to me to see the global perspective of joy and happiness when. You know, In America, so much about our society is built on, okay, if I can be more successful or if I could get a more comfortable life, I'll be happier and things like that. And then you travel to the third world and the people who have the least have the most innate joy. And so to hear what he's talking about, like looking to scripture and like when we are intentional about choosing to be kind to others or serve others or forgive others, then the kind of after effect is that we also get more joyful and find happiness as well versus the American mindset is I, I want to obtain things or I want to acquire happiness for my own sake. You know, he's yeah. saying scripture says it's the inverse that as we give out, we find joy and that and you see that in the global context too. It's really interesting. I like it's, it's, it's very self-helpy almost. It's like, almost like bristly, like, Oh no, we shouldn't be trying to be happier. whatever. no, no, the, there's a joy that comes from the Lord that we should be pursuing and be mindful about, and the Scripture does give us a roadmap on how to, you know, uh, pursue yeah. those things because that's how God wants us to be.
2: And I think it's something that we are, that we are kind of know or, or we say we know, but it still takes a lot of effort to overcome that that uh, that innate desire to spend as much energy as I can doing nice things for myself so that I can be happier. Uh, that's not an, that that's a daily decision that you have to make again and again to try to make other people happy, or or like he says, sometimes it's just. Be be patient or be tolerant with somebody else the way that I hope they are tolerant with this episode of the podcast that is about them because it'll make them happier. <laughs> yeah, be to- yeah, be forgive be forgiving with us that. Think about Annie, how Annie think can't think about be how here. Good that'll feel
1: yeah, it'll feel good for you to tweet something nice about this episode.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and remember just we all that you ask is you misspell Max Lucado's name in the tweet so that his team they don't see it because that's at this point that is critical after the George W. Bush talk show stuff. So, uh,
1: all right, stay tuned up next. It's our listener of the week.
0: When you think about living life on mission, you might imagine people who dedicate their lives to living abroad and spreading the gospel. But in reality, living on mission just means partnering with Jesus here and now, wherever you are, to love people well with the skills he gave you. That's why Saddleback Church created the Made for Mission Conference. This October, join others passionate about making a difference in the world at Saddleback Church in Southern California to get the tools and training you need to make a difference right where you are. At the Made for Mission Conference, you'll unleash your life's mission, learn practical skills to serve. And find out how to turn your church into a hub for change. Hear from speakers like Pastor Rick Warren, Brian Fickert, David Garrison, and many more. There are even opportunities for hands-on ministry training for issues like human trafficking, the opioid crisis, orphan care, racism, refugees, poverty, global health, church planting, and more. The Made for Mission conference takes place October 1st through 3rd, 2019 in Lake Forest, California at Saddleback Church learn more and get your tickets today by visiting madeformission.church that's madeformission.church use offer code relevant to save $25 and we
6: see you over there on the internet, all the girls who are killing it. but we figured you out we all know now we all got crowns. you need to calm down.
1: you're listening to I think for the first time ever on this podcast taylor swift the song you need to calm down Okay, it's time for you listen to the show, and it's time to get to know you It's a listener of the week our listener of the week this week, jesse uh found on Twitter because of one's very specific that's right uh, n- nugget of information that she shared with us uh please welcome to the show our listener of the week angela siler hey guys uh where Hi, are where are you joining us from Angela?
6: I am currently sitting in my bedroom in Astoria, Queens, New York.
1: Astoria, Queens, never New York. Heard,
3: never York. heard of New York. Queens? Is
6: New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's this tiny little nowhere city you really wouldn't understand at all about, like, this very yeah. small town culture we have up here.
1: Other, other than sitting on your bed <laughs> in New in York, New York um, what do you do there?
6: I honestly have no idea how y'all will react to this, because I'm not sure you know what this is, but I teach Pilates,
1: yeah, of course we know oh, what I know Pilates, Pilates yeah. Tyler, is. Tyler, have some, yeah, some response. Those, those, I mean, those storefronts <laughs> that you drive I mean, by and express. never go into, they say Pilates on the sign. <laughs> that's yeah, true. That's I know how to pronounce <laughs> it at least.
6: Yeah, I basically tell people to do what with uh, like what to do all day with their abs and pelvises and arms and legs and stuff and, and sometimes they listen sometimes they don't
3: so, angela just so i'm just so i'm i got there pilates is basically like slow yoga right like it's like yoga you just oh, move really slowly. you could not
6: possibly be more wrong <laughs> um, oh <Whoa. laughs>
3: <laughs> smokes. Yeah.
0: (laughs)
6: I I very much dare, Jesse. You have no idea how much I sass you when I'm listening to this podcast when obviously you guys cannot hear me. Um, (laughs) No, Pilates, uh, the type that I teach is actually done on very special equipment with a whole bunch of springs. So you're working with and against resistance to do a lot of functional movements that increase core strength and flexibility.
1: So uh, the three facts that Angela sent us on Twitter about herself, I'll mention them. We, we need to breeze through the first two pretty quickly, Angelo, because Jesse wants to double down on the third one. The all right. The third one. So I, I
6: wondered sure. if that would be okay.
1: The first one uh, at 12, I was a guest on a Spanish language talk show. Neither of my parents speak Spanish. What in the world?
6: Yes, that is correct. Um, So I grew up in the D.C. area, and my elementary school actually offered a program where you could learn 50% of your classes in a foreign language. So I learned math and science in Spanish for the first six years of my formal education. And as a result, I became fluent in Spanish by the time I hit like seventh, eighth grade. I was speaking really, really well. And so by the time I got to seventh grade, my teacher ended up inviting me along with one other girl in the class who was a native speaker to go on this public access Spanish talk show in our neighborhood, in our county, and talk about the immersion program that I went through. So I literally did a TV show that neither one of my parents could understand a word of what I said.
3: Oh, wow. Do you, do you still have a tape of this show somewhere that, that you break out to, to, to embarrass your parents with? Because they still, I'm assuming they still haven't learned Spanish. <laughs>
6: To be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if it's somewhere hidden in the dusty archives of my parents' VHS collection, mm. but mm. I wouldn't want to show it to anybody because that was right in the middle of my awkward phase, and we just we we really try not to focus on that.
3: Yeah, I never left mine. My my awkward phase yep, started yep. and just it just persisted. So well, at least yours <laughs> <Come> ended. <on. laughs> I, more and more Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: all right. Uh, fact number two: I was there the night aliens invaded NYC.
2: I was yes there the night. Oh, is that definitely. the blue sky thing <laughs> the, the, yes yeah. it was last year
6: yes um so what was told on the news obviously we didn't know when it was happening and i live two blocks from that con edison plant oh my god where the explosion was what
2: yes so you were very close so- to it. those were those were very <laughs> eerie images that's your yeah, own that chernobyl
1: out. are you okay
6: Yeah, thankfully we're all fine, but I do know how both my husband and I would react in case of an actual extraterrestrial invasion (laughs) because it started with just this almost earth-shattering, earth-shaking kind of bang that happened. And next thing you know, the entire block was lit up in like freakishly bright blue light, And there was this pulsing, humming sound that happened. And it went on for I want to say about 10 minutes and the like people literally started driving away in panic. Like people got yeah. right into their cars and just left. And it was like 10 o'clock at night. So I was getting ready for my outrageously early wake up time the next day. And my husband literally threw on his bathrobe and slippers and went, I'll be right back. And
3: Did just he went, went to outside. Go fight The aliens hypothetically. You was going to go take them down. Yes. Like, he he was, 100%, was about to go yeah. fight
6: the aliens in a bathrobe. And Honestly, knowing him, he probably would win. But meanwhile, I'm sitting in bed, like covers pulled up to my chin being like, okay, what do we have in the house that I can use it as a weapon? Is there enough space for me to hide under the bed or do I need to use the closet? What do I do if the aliens actually walk uh-huh. into my house? Uh-huh.
3: <laughs> I, yeah. I love the thinking here that these aliens have tra- have figured out technology to, tra- you know, to, to cross the universe, to land in New York City, to cast this eerie light, to, to come visit Earth. Yet you're convinced that you could take one with like a spatula hiding in your kitchen. Like they, they like they, they've been that unprepared for meeting you and your husband after their journey across the universe. That was kind of the thinking
2: there. <laughs>
6: Well, hey, I mean, in signs, they were defeated by a little spritz of water, and I have a little spray bottle by my bed, so worst comes to worst. Hollywood has
2: has taught us that some good old-fashioned American can-do attitude can take down (laughs) most (laughs) (laughs) extraterrestrials. Exactly. Yeah,
3: a crop exactly. duster a crop duster, you know, averted an alien invasion in the first independence day. So, you know, I'm I feel pretty yeah. good about uh, uh, A Pilates
2: instructor. You're you're probably I assume you're like in good physical shape. You can outlast, you could you could beat them up with your bare hands. Oh yeah.
6: yeah. Sure I'm a boxer too, so it all oh
2: works out gosh. pretty They're well really in really my wheel. They'd be, they'd be all right, hopeless. and <laughs> Angela, I feel like
3: I, I feel like you've warmed up here. Cameron, I'm ready for The big question. The
1: the, the, the fact that we read earlier, I know the secrets behind most quote unquote magic illusions you see in big magic shows. First of all, how?
6: So I used to be a cruise ship performer. Uh, And on my second ship, we actually did a show with a bunch of illusionists. And I actually had to learn the ins and outs of these illusions or somebody was going to die inside one of those things. (laughs) So my personal favorite was one that was actually called the fire spiker. Okay. And there was, because it was literally spikes that were lit on fire and like a person got quote, impaled with these fire spikes but it, it's kind of taken the joy out of a lot of illusions, like seeing magic shows now, because I look at it and go, "Oh, yeah, I, I know that one."
3: Oh, I have a couple questions here. You breeze past. Okay, first, did you take an oath that you are now breaking to never reveal these secrets? But,
1: no, 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 no. I don't want her to reveal the <laughs> secrets. I don't. I want her to kind of dance around This is around why it. she is on the show, Cameron. We I, I
3: don't to want to know how fire <laughs> spikes are done, Angela.
1: How do you impale someone?
6: Somehow, I knew you were going to interrogate me on this. one. I, 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 I am really I'm
1: torn about what to do here. Like, I don't ah, want to ruin. I don't want to tell our listeners that Santa is not real. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't want to like. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm torn. I'm, I'm a little yeah, torn. yeah.
6: And that's honestly the way that I feel about like <sighs> these illusions when I see magic shows. Now it's just kind of like ah, oh, yeah, I've done that one.
1: The big, okay. the big magic shows. I, I, you know. We know that there's trapdoors and all that kind of stuff. The up close magic stuff is the yes. stuff that is mind bending to me. Let me just. Do, do you that? have any yeah. experience with that stuff? Yeah,
6: I do actually. Yeah. Um, the illusionist on our ship did big illusion shows, but he also did close up magic. And his protege, who he brought on board for like <laughs> our last cruise, actually is a close up magic specialist.
2: Oh wow!
3: So they were oh, filming his film.
6: demo reel. So that he could market himself as a more (laughs) successful magician. And they brought in a bunch of us performers to be like the witnesses and dare I say victims of this close-up magic show. Okay. And there were things that were done right in front of my face that make me genuinely angry because I cannot figure out.
1: how he did that sleight of hand-wise. You were on the receiving end, but you didn't get the 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 intel on those ones. You have the intel on the big stage ones.
6: Yeah, the big stage delusions are the ones that I actually had to learn how to use. Um, The close-up magic, I know in theory how it works. In practice, being that close to it, you don't see the moment when they... Mm-hmm. do the swap or anything yeah. like that. They're like this guy in particular was that good.
1: How did how did they bend the fork? I don't yeah, understand it. They, they, oh, yeah.
6: Exactly. This was, this particular one was actually a rubber band that I literally watched him like bend into an intricate little star around his fingers. And all I did was touch it. And when it came off, it stayed in the shape. And I was like, Get, stop now. That is not fair.
3: Uh, all right, but f- Angela, we have to know. I've I I uh been messaging with the team here, and Cameron is now cool with you. He might not say it, he's gonna play toy, but I've been private messaging him while you were talking. And Chandler, if you could just mute his mic real quick. Uh I want to know how the fire spikes are done. Tell me how the fire spikes. How do they impale them with flaming spikes? We have to know, Angela.
6: It's all about how the steps to the contraption are built. That's all I can say.
3: That reveals nothing. I'm going to need more details. Cameron, uh, his mic's still muted. He's he's waving and shouting and making hand directions. Hurry, tell us, Angela. Hurry, tell us. He's running back to the sound booth.
2: I can, I, can read, I can read lips. He's saying, keep her talking. More details. More details, he says.
3: That, that revealed nothing, Angela. Come on. You can do it. How do the fire spikes work?
6: Well, the lighting it on fire is down to lighter fluid and basically fearlessness on the part of the assistant.
3: Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. What about the impaling? Yeah.
6: That was good times. Um, But literally, it's just, it comes down to timing and a hollow part of the contraption and somebody who can bend into very, very, very tiny positions. Like, the more I worked with illusionists, the more respect I have for the magician's assistant. They do all the hard stuff. Yeah, All the magician does is misdirection.
1: All right. Uh, Well, thanks for joining us. Our listener of the week, Angela Seiler. Thanks Thanks for coming on. Thanks, yeah, thanks, thanks for having thanks, me. Angela. If you want to be our listener of the week in the future, hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and give us three facts about yourself yeah. that are interesting.
3: And don't tease us by telling us that it has to do with the contraption. <laughs> that tells me nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Angela, <laughs> she was she was the, coy. She the, was the secret cool. to the coy, trick yeah. is
1: a contraption. Well, I figured <laughs> that much. Tell me about that contraption. You know what I would you know what I'd watch? I'd watch George W. Bush trying to figure out magic <laughs> yeah, tricks. guessing. Like <laughs> trying to figure out how to do them.
3: Each episode is one trick and lasts
1: over five
3: hours. It, uh, he never figures it
1: out. <laughs> what What would that show be called, Justin? Uh,
3: I mean, I feel like all my Bush puns are used. I, that's probably closer to Bushwhacked. Um, uh, how about this? How about this? Uh... uh, uh, uh uh, what's the old expression? Because the logo for the show yeah. is like it's a magician and he's holding a dove and about to make it disappear. And right. it's called a burden hand. <laughs> I know. Oh, the there you go. Deeps there you go. Him, him. There you go. There you go. It's it's a thinker. It's a thinker. No, <laughs> oh, yeah. it still works. It, it sets it still... up a pun that
2: it doesn't even give it. Yeah,
3: exactly. You the, you do the work of figuring out the pun, just like George W. Bush does the work of figuring out the trick. It's literally the perfect name: a bird in the hand, and it's a magician holding a dove. There,
1: done. Another show for Bushwhack TV. I mean, I can sit here all day and come up with these guys. <laughs> Many thanks to Quip for making the episode possible. Remember. Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash relevant right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. It makes a great gift. Thanks also to Max Lucado for joining us. His new book, How Happiness Happens, is available for pre-order now. You can be the first to get it. Hey, if you like the show, head over to our store. There is an official Relevant Podcast fan section at the Relevant Store. It's store.relevantmagazine.com. You can pick your favorite mugs and shirts and tank tops now <laughs> we have that right to bear arms tank top um and uh some other fan swag Go check it out. off the shelves magazine.com.
3: you know he also real quick there's they added a new show to the lineup for yeah. for for summer sweeps you yeah. know sweeps is coming i don't know if you guys knew that uh, this that? one's all about tanning it's bush giving tanning tips and it's called burning bush uh don't don't miss it <laughs> this summer Bushwhack tv i have I, was,
1: I have a strong suspicion that there might be a bushwhacked tv mug available at the <laughs> store by the time and this has, episode comes please out tell
3: me it has all the show names on the back and they're they're allotted uh, network I, I, slots, I, i'm
2: yeah. gonna be i'm gonna be pitching my idea for a new a new uh, prank show oh, yeah. uh, which george w bush played it's just called bushed uh, <laughs> you, you've been but, and That's the sketch catchphrase. You've been you bush. You've been, you've been bushed. bushed. You've been bushed. Yeah, and that's he's, a, and he, he pops but he doesn't, out. Hey, but
5: he, he rarely delivers because
2: yeah. he's he feels too bad about the prank, and also the pranks often are kind of involved, and he doesn't always quite have the wherewithal to pull them all off. But yeah. he still jumps out of the bushes at the end. Say, you got bushed.
3: Well, and the, the the other thing a lot of people uh, are excited about is this is actually gonna have sports on there. Um, the Bush League. Bush League. (laughs) It's uh, it's 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 a lot of sports that is in its own league. It's Bush League.
1: (laughs) Well, it's 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 a little it's a little league. It's on Saturday mornings. It's for the family. It's like a little league show, and it's called Bush League. Bush League. Kids running around. It's fun. It's a whole. They're on the prairie. He, he he has a little sports complex on the prairie on his ranch. Yeah, and so they yeah. all come out. The, 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 fun the
2: first of the show hour is, of the show is him painting, just painting the the <laughs> t- getting the white paint out there and making a whole new field for the kids. Listen, and the, the twist peaceful.
3: the twist is like people were yeah. like, why would I watch kids play baseball? The pitch yeah. is uh, George Bush actually plays with the children, and it's just he's he's a pitcher, so he's just blasting fastballs down there and just <laughs> smacking those nine year olds, you know, meatballs no, all no, no, across no, the No, 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 he's
1: not playing. He's the umpire, and he kind of doles out kindly life advice to the kids when they're up at bat or if a Push kid lead. strikes out he kind of consoles him walks them off talks to him he's like the, the wise old sage but he's the umpire too yeah
3: yeah well, it's it, we've already got a sponsor for it, so we need to figure it out Anheuser Busch. Uh, so we need to figure out how we're what the show is because they've already paid a, a significant sum to be on Bushwhack. <laughs> <TV. laughs> Bushwhack
1: TV, it's got a, it's got something for everyone. It's there. a streaming platform, as well. but the entire other than other than the one show, uh, the Alaska Bush people, uh, every other show is filmed on his ranch. Yeah, yeah that's the <laughs> criteria. He doesn't like going out.
3: You know. No, no. He's a homebody. He's a, yeah. nothing wrong with that. Oh. <laughs> All right. On that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jim String. I apologize to Max
1: Lukedu. I'm Jesse <laughs> Carey. <laughs> I apologize for nothing. I'm Tyler Huckabee. And please come back in the F-Downs. We will see you <laughs> on Tuesday. Have a good weekend, everyone.
2: I, the exits, breaks, and easy out. I my life out the of I want to be. It
3: to me the beach, but I find that everything I can... It's Is My Life, my favorite song by my favorite artist, John Povey.
5: Relevant Podcast Network.
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.